Hey guys, it's comedian Mickey Coachella, and uh, I love listening to The Angry Millennial. There's nothing funny about it. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Bocafire.com. Bocafire is a better way to rent professional DSLR lenses. With 30-day rentals, unlimited swapping, free shipping, and free insurance coverage, Bocafire is the best deal around. Use any Pro, Canon, or Nikon lens for your DSLR camera with no return dates and no stress. Keep it as long as you want. When you're done, send the lens back using the prepaid shipping label and swap it for your next one. Offering all the most popular Canon and Nikon lenses, including primes, zooms, telephotos, and a lot more. Use the coupon code ANGER15 to get 15% off any Bocafire membership. Valid now through July 2016, only at Bocafire.com. All right, what's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show, where we chat with creatives and entrepreneurs about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, the ugly. Today, we have fabricator and furniture designer, Jill Orlov. Jill, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So, Jill, um, you know, let's talk a little bit background, how we came together. Like one of our previous guests, uh, Paul Rich, I came across you in Baltimore Style Magazine. So tell me a little bit about what the process was and how you got noticed by them. Because it was pretty recent. Uh, and how was your, I mean, this is a little taste into kind of the press and doing all this kind of stuff, talking about your business. So tell me a bit about that experience so we can get started. Uh, well, that might be, a, I think, um, a little bit of a cheat. Sure. Because my husband is a journalist. Oh, look at that. And he, what does he do? Uh, he writes for all kinds of publications. Baltimore, oh, very cool. Baltimore style being one of them. And um, I think does he, he had, have like a certain thing he writes about, like specifically or? Um, he used to work for City Paper years ago, mm -hmm. and um, now he writes a lot for Hopkins, Johns Hopkins magazines. Oh, okay. All kinds of things. But nice. he has a, a fun style of writing. Nice. I'll have to check him out. Yes. That's awesome. So you know, I guess knowing the connections there, he said, hey, listen, you should check out what wife's doing. Right. Um, now, was it, and I actually don't know. So when was it when you fully went full time? And we'll get started all that stuff, but I'm just curious. Full-time with the mm -hmm. artwork? Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't even say I'm I'm there yet. I still, oh, okay. I still have a day job, right. but I go more and more part-time with it. Right. And um, hoping, hopefully they're not listening, <laughs> <laughs> more and more this would be my full career. Right. Okay, cool. Nice. So let's go way back. All right. Okay. Let's, let's, I read that you used to, quote, remodel your dollhouses. <laughs> And growing up, you would fabricate some interesting pieces with all kid materials, which I think is adorable. Um, so, you know, what was that like? I mean, a few people can say so early on that they knew what their career would kind of be or what maybe their passion would be. Um, you know, how did that make you feel like confidence wise when you got into like the the more, 
uh, let's just say, serious years of like high school age and college and that sort of thing? Um, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as saying that I knew what I wanted to do mm-hmm. that that early. Probably not until college. And I'll tell you a funny story about sure. how I actually found architecture. Yeah. But you know, the doll houses that was, you know, my girly side. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really into the dolls, but I was always into the setting it up, the mm-hmm. um, the building, the furniture kits. Um, they had um, brick came came in as like a sheet of tile, and I used tile grout to <laughs> mortar the brick down as a, a friend of mine. Um, she grew up in this old, um, old stone house and it had an old brick, a worn brick floor in the kitchen. I thought wow. it was That's amazing. Cool. So I wanted to kind of recreate that with a right. brick floor in the kitchen in my dollhouse. And you literally were how old laying brick? And <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably in you know early double digits. I can't. I, I don't right, it's so like eleven, twelve, like preteen. Like, probably like yeah, that. yeah. We walk around the house in coveralls, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the union. <laughs> yeah, my first Carhartt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's funny. But I've, um, I've always been crafty, and I, right. I didn't discover architecture. I didn't know that as an option until college. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, a dance first year that. I can't remember what it was called, but it was um, it was basically kind of a screw your roommate type dance. So a friend of mine and I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let, hold, on, hold on. You have to you have to rewind. Screw your roommate kind of dance. Yeah. So it was a fixing up blind date right. with your roommate. <laughs> so some people were nice and would find a nice guy. Some people weren't. Right. Right. So I went with a friend. She knew somebody in the architecture school to fix up with my roommate. So I went with her. Right. So while she's fixing that, I'm talk. I'm looking at the whole architecture studio, thinking this is my this world. Is what you want to do? Yeah. yeah. So that was that's kind of how I fell into it. Was it kind of at that point when you were in college and you had that happen? Was that when like you had that flashback to what you used to do growing up, like the preteen stuff, and go, "Holy shit!" Like I don't know if I ever put that together. Put that together right. until starting to, you know, come up with my bio as an artist. And that's right. still even defining myself as an artist has been a hard thing to yeah. accept. Yeah. I mean it I, is. I want to. Right. But I mean and that's I mean that's like I teach uh photography at a couple of local colleges and I people always say the same thing. I go, you guys are photographers and they immediately start downplaying and go, Oh I don't I'm not a photographer. I just like taking pictures and I go, let me get this straight. You have a camera, right? Yeah. I like to take pictures, right? Yeah. You're a fucking photographer. <laughs> now, are you a working professional photographer? No. But you're a photographer. Like, own it. You know what right. I mean? Like, and, and that's a lot of times what people, I mean, even me, when I was growing up and I was in my 20s and I couldn't find work, quote unquote, I started getting into photography and doing that as a career. But all the time I told myself, eh, I'll just do this until I get a real job, you know? And I, and I, stupidly for a long time didn't take it as serious as I could have because in my head it wasn't viable you know what I mean and it wasn't the same thing where we said okay how do you explain yourself as an artist you know and how do you then say to someone you know I'm making this a viable career option you know and and I think that's something that as a society we're getting a little bit better with you know uh it's still not there but at the same time it's better than it was so that's good, <laughs> you know. Um, so your love of model making definitely reminded me of one of our previous guests of our conversation with Michael Paul Smith. 
And um, right in front of you, you have actually his book, Elgin Park, which is really neat. And so in case you didn't know, I know you knew a little bit about him. Uh, Michael Paul Smith makes these elaborate, beautiful model sets. And then he shoots these um, replica cars or car models on it in front of real scenery. So the the way the photography came into it was just he wanted something to capture the force perspective that made it look very real. Like it was, it was almost kind of creepy the way some of them look. And then you see the behind the scenes photo and it's all painstakingly detailed, but fake, you know? And, um, it, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty wild stuff. Yeah. I can say that. Have you ever thought like for him for a long time, it was a model making and he did it for 12 years before show, like putting, taking any pictures and putting them online. And, he found it very therapeutic. Like one thing he did that reminded me of like the movie Inception, he built his childhood home, like all from memory. It's fucking wild to say you can do that, but he did it and I saw it. He took the top off and you see like almost like an elaborate dollhouse or, or an architecture model where it was like all done to the furniture, to the windows, to everything. It was just wild. And he then started saying, okay, I'll take it outside. He does all this stuff in his attic and starts taking pictures of it. So did you ever think to combine your love for two mediums to make a project like that, you know? Um, well, I did always want to build my, mm-hmm. not my childhood home, but my current home mm-hmm. um, as a real model. Um, because as a, back to, you know, as an architect, yeah. I did, wa- it was my um, my original canvas to c- be able to play with. Right. If I didn't in my career have, I mean, we had fun projects, but this was what I wanted to do, to play around with it, not worry about resale. Right. Um, so, but what I ended up doing was building it in a computer model. Oh, cool. So I guess I, I do. AutoCAD, that kind of stuff, right? Or no? SketchUp. Um, there you go, SketchUp. Okay. So um, that's been my playground. Nice. And have you, you actually started that? or? Um, I built most of the house yeah. in that. But, you know, now I've gotten off track and wanting to build the artwork and so the house gets forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Cobbler has no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly it. I mean, I used to joke around when people would say, uh, when I started doing photography at like a studio, I was not shooting as much when I got home. And people go, Oh, well, come on, why not? I go, How many fucking mechanics do you know who have like five cars at home in the garage aren't running? It's like the last thing you want to do when you get home is stare at another car. You know what I mean? It was the right. same thing for me. So I know those uh that feel, those feels. Okay. <laughs> um, I always wondered, is is that sort of thing, like, like, and I'll ask you the, the, the nitty gritty of like architecture. So if you're an architect and you build these models, right, do you get then reimbursed or do, like, do you sell them or is it just you're putting all that time into the model in hopes that the project gets greenlit and then that's how you make the money? I don't even know. How does that oh, work? well, um, my... For into model milking yeah. model building was all um, while I was an active architect, so that was yeah. part of the design process. Oh, okay, um, this is part of your job. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think there are professional model builders. That's a whole nother career. Okay, extremely tedious. Right, and um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like being an, an archaeologist, right, or something that I guess I thought about possibly going into, but mm-hmm. the design part was a huge part of my love of architecture. Right. Just building models, multiple versions, mm-hmm. and so it would grow from there. Because I was never a great drawer. Right. I think that's interesting. I, mean, I look at some of these, like if you see like the big buildings, right? So they'll build like one that maybe it's just this tall, right? 
And then I, I sit there and think to myself, what the fuck do you do after that? Like, do, you, do you just break it? Do you put it in like a warehouse? Do some, does someone just take it and archive it? You know what I mean? Like, well, depending on how beautiful they are. I mean, some architecture firms put them in plexiglass cases. Right, display cases and that sort of thing. Yeah. Cool, interesting, interesting. Did you ever have one that warranted? Um, I know, and I was reading you... you I don't know if it was early on, but you did win an award for something you designed, right? Oh, a, a beach house that one of the architecture firms I worked at, um, a beach house in Fenwick Island. Where's and, that? Um, Fenwick Island, Delaware. Oh, cool. So um, most of my models, and I wish I still had them, because right. they were all um, steps of the design process. Oh. And, um, and, you know, yeah, that was that was really fun. So it won, um, I guess, a Maryland... Uh, AIA award or Baltimore AIA award. Very cool. So you built something for, uh, for what would that be called? I don't even know. Um, for a house in Delaware, but it was for a Baltimore firm, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That firm we did work work all over. Okay. Now what to me, I don't even, I don't think anyone knows what Delaware is to me. It's a gray state that has some good beers and and tax free clothing. But beyond that, uh, it's where a lot of the Baltimore people go to the beaches. Oh yeah. And well that I do know, right. So I I was in Philadelphia. So it was the same thing. It was either Jersey or Delaware. Right. Um, but what I'm wondering is what stylistically, is it like new England, like kind of stylistically beach homes? In terms oh, of the beach house. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? So this house was um, it was pretty geometric. Mm-hmm. It was modern, but not not too stark. Right. Um, you know, different cutouts, and it was it was a skinny, almost tower like house. Oh, neat. And you know, open on the beach side, and nice. trying to rise above some of the um, maybe two that. story houses. So this was maybe four stories. Wow. You made I no think. you made no friends in that neighborhood, huh? <laughs> well, I really was only in the design process, right. and then other people took it over after right. that. Yeah. My favorite part was just the design. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say whoever lives there, though, fuck, they're hated. They're like, really? <laughs> it was really? this skinny, tall house, and they said that they could feel it move when it was really windy out. <sighs> but it was designed to be able to do that. Right. The engineers did that part. <laughs> I can't yeah. take credit for That's that. That's where you go. I'm just one little cog in this very big. Definitely. That's machine. how architecture is. Yeah, for sure. I think that's interesting where architecture to me was where you say, okay, I have an idea and I'm going to do it. But then it's when the engineers get involved that they say, okay, is this idea even feasible? You know, and, and you have that kind of trade off, you know, yeah. where it's like, well, in my head, this looks awesome. And they go, well, in your head, that's great, but this isn't Tony Stark Tower in a movie. This is, you know, real life, and that can't be possible. You know, so I, it's I, like I had a good relationship with one of the structural engineers that we used a lot, and he would joke about different things being held in place by helicopters for, <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. So, speaking of that, do you think nowadays, um, you know, you mentioned building things with like computer programs, right? Which is nothing new, right? What do you think about it nowadays? Like tech is in the forefront of everything uh, that you see, whether it's mainstream media or anything like that. Um, do you think that making things with your hands is almost like a lost art? I sure hope not. <laughs> no, well, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, like it's like I started telling people about photography. At one point, for for basically up until the two thousands, it was like any other trade. Like you, you were an apprentice to another photographer. It was a very big black box type thing. You learned for years and then you went out on your own. 
And then when digital cameras became more affordable and all of a sudden you have these things called... um, Smartphones. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) smartphones. And like, you know, soccer moms with cameras and stuff like that. It was was a a free-for-all, you know, and people had to... Photographers had to adapt and adjust. And, you know, so you sit there and say, I feel like it's almost like it's it's coming back into mainstream culture in a sense that it's almost like it's like I said it's almost a lost art I mean even that article in Baltimore style was we're featuring people makers of Baltimore people who actually just build shit and because that is like something where you sit there and say like how many things are actually produced or made or manufactured in this country anymore you right. know uh it's you know it's not what like it used to be you know 50 yeah. 60 years ago so it's um yeah, it's interesting. I it's mean, a loss of, I think, a sense of permanence. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, you even think about, like, I was looking at your furniture in my head. I'm like, I could see myself rocking some of that in my house, right? But in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, but the amount of time and labor that goes into it, it rightfully so would be probably out of my price range. And I'm sitting there going, but, but even but when you really think about it, Look at like this couch next to us. I don't like anything else. It's all Ikea. And what's Ikea? Let's be real. It's throwaway furniture, right? right? You think a lot of clothing nowadays. It's throwaway clothing. It literally does not meant to last more than a few years, if that, because to the materials it's made out of and everything else compared to, say, suits and, you know, woodwork in the 20s and 30s that to this day are still viable, right? you know? Uh, so it, it, it's, you know, I really think it's going to maybe start coming back and, and people are realizing that, you know, people are realizing that that's kind of sad that that happened, you know, and, and, uh, and you have a bunch of these companies that can, can in re- in reality get a billion dollar valuation on an idea. Yeah. Like, yes, there's a lot of very smart people who went into making your app or whatever it is. But in reality, it's like, it's just a, a tiny thing, you know, <laughs> like, like it's, it's not quite the same as what things used to have that kind of valuation. So it's, I think it's interesting. I feel like that uh, is not going to like, not a bubble, but it, we're going to, we're going to see it peak. I think it's at its peak now and it's going to start tapering off a little bit. And I wonder what's going to kind of come in place next. I sure hope people do um, get back to embracing handmade right. things that will last for a long time. Yeah. I, I know this year I started doing some construction jobs. I'm 32. I've never done construction in my life. But it was cool, I thought, because the first job I did was laying wood floor. Man, that is backbreaking labor. <laughs> and like, uh, and using like a Rockwell tool and, you know, doing like uh, shoe molding and walls and playing with all kinds of cool tools and table saws and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not going to lie, even even though I'm not a kid anymore, I felt like a kid in the sense that I was like, yeah, this is man shit. Like, yeah, I'm getting to like, hey. you know, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm getting to learn stuff and, and do stuff that I never did before and and get dirty and use my hands. And I was like, this is pretty cool. No, I couldn't walk for the next week <laughs> doing a, a flooring job for a whole week. But I mean, at the same time, it was, it was uh, I learned a lot, like the importance of knee pads. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, like you said, you'd hope that people would appreciate it. What would you say are your preferred clients at this point? Is it like individuals, like let's just say high-end individuals, or maybe like commercial clients looking for unique pieces for their retail, retail spaces? or Probably, I mean, either one, whoever right. wants to pay me. But um, 
individuals, I would say, that are going to share my sense of whimsical, quirky mm-hmm. traits. Because right. I don't think of my stuff as run-of-the-mill, so I don't know if a corporate client would like it. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. I think of like, let me, think, let me see, like um, there's even a place here in town that is a, what do you call those things? Not, god damn it. When I had, um, you know, I have a couple different directions I'm going. Yeah. And one of the, the first piece that I made that I call Rooms in a Box mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. So it was a kitchen. And I was able to display that in the Baltimore Museum of Art gift shop. No shit. That's cool. Yeah, that was a very, I was very proud of that. Nice. It wasn't in the museum, but in the gift shop. All right. Still hey. very proud of that. Yeah. And the, um, they were theming the gift shop to uh, an opening called imagining home so it was perfect timing so the day of the museum opening the exhibit opening i kind of treated my stuff in the gift shop as if it was my own little art opening and um the the woman who runs the gift shop told me that there was a customer who would just come in and look at my the kitchen in a box piece and and stare at it and just say that she'd find peace looking at it wow and i thought that was just the nicest compliment yeah that you 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 can you, know, you use your imagination of the right. little imaginary world that it can create in yourself. So I think that the corporate client idea, if you have time to just stop and right. smell the roses and right. look at the detail yeah. and imagine whatever world you want. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, I'm trying to think. It was like a not a thrift store, but like a high end, say a boutique, and they had very interesting old pieces that they would use, almost like sets they build within the store. Where it would have like maybe some plant and like maybe some of the clothing on it, but it one of them was like a almost like one of those railroad cars where you like the old ones you'd go like this up and down, you'd run along the railroad tracks, old as shit. But it was really cool, distressed looking, and and I thought like how would you get it from? And they said they usually get them from uh, like architectural high, salvage, right, architectural places. salvage places, uh, estate sales, all kinds yeah. of quirky kind of stuff. And I thought that was really neat. Like I could see that happening where it could be, you know, one nice piece in their Baltimore location. You know what I mean? Like um, like American people or Aero Pastel or uh, I don't shop, but <laughs> you yeah. get the point. I've always gone into architectural salvage. I have a whole collection of old rusty metal stuff. <laughs> really? That's cool. And so so what's that like with um you know, you go to that and you find a piece and then you, you, maybe you might you might have a, an idea in mind, but sometimes you just kind of source the material just to have it in case something strikes. Yeah, I usually just start just collecting things that have some sort of interesting shape. Um, and then eventually it might hit me as what to make with it. So one of the first things that I made after taking a welding class mm-hmm. five or six years ago was a wine rack. And it incorporated some of these pieces that I've had for nice. years and years. Yeah, nice. That's pretty and cool. And kind of like the Elgin Park um, artist, I used an old model car mm-hmm. from my husband's brother's childhood. No shit. Yeah, and, and you just you mentioned a good thing. So, Michael, uh, one thing he gets asked all the time: Why is there no people? And you met what you said was a very similar thing. He goes, "I want no people because I want anyone who looks at this." to make of it whatever they want, to see right. themselves there. Uh, and people a lot of times have a very like visceral, emotional reaction to his to his work. 
because they look at it like, oh, I had a home like that, or I grew up in an area like that, or I remember, you know, the time back then, you know, how things were, you know, right. back then. And it, it brings them back. Whereas if you have little fake people, it looks like a railroad model. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like or it's it just, it makes the experience a little bit more less. defined right. versus your imagination. Right. And, uh, and it was interesting. And when he said that, I was like, oh, wow, I never, I never really kind of thought about that. Um, but it, it was pretty neat. Yeah, all of my, you know, just you know, dollhouse type stuff. Never had a doll. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you never even did the whole thing. You're like, I don't know, I don't know. no, no, no. You're just like, someday someone can live in this amazing home. <laughs> Imagine if they had like a kid, like a dollhouse themed, um, flip it or list it. You know, like flip it or love it. You know what I mean? That's like, a good idea. I'm gonna rebuild your entire dollhouse. Either you love it or you're gonna sell it on the, you know. Dollhouse black market. I, I, might, I might steal that idea. Yeah, there you go. That could be pretty interesting. Um, so I know you said you you have your part time job, right? Is it still in architecture or no? Something it's, different. It's architecture related, but it's not design. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was gonna ask, like, how much does that business aspect weigh on your art? Because at this point, probably not a lot, and for a good reason. In the sense that you want it to be just about the, you know making things in the art, and if it sells, great. If it doesn't. Well, I would still like to and right. eventually will need to right. really make a, a living at it. Um, right now, we ha- we're you know working on savings. And mm-hmm. My husband's a journalist, like I said, so I won't even go into where that No, oh, I'm a writer careers. too. You don't got to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I definitely need the business end to work. Right. And I'm learning as I go. But, um, but I do want to just be able to make things. Um, and hopefully people will buy them and, and some customization, but I don't want to get into the whole like architecture world. Then it's really, then you should just go back to being an architect essentially. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like if it was all about the money, you'd just go back to a a nice salary job or just designing something solely for somebody else, their idea. I want it to be my idea and hopefully some people will fall in love with the different pieces. Yeah, and and you figure as well, um, and I always wondered about this, like when you're making stuff like this, I always wondered the the uh, allure of making a bunch of different things is probably there. But then you go, okay, these are a bunch of things that aren't necessarily similar related. Maybe I should make a couple more things that are similar to have like collections, you know, and then you have, you know, like you could do it an exhibition or something like that and right. say these are all, this is my, you know, whatever series. You right. Know? Well, actually, I'm starting starting that, like the Rooms in a Box series. Mm-hmm. Um, I just posted on my Facebook page the latest piece, which is a powder box, oh, pow- cool. powder room in a box. Oh, cool. Powder room in a box. And um, I wasn't sure how it would go over, you right. know, a little toilet <laughs> in a sink, <laughs> but, uh, in a sink. But um, actually, I've gotten a, some interest in them. Really? And, um and the, another piece that's coming out is a library in a box. So I haven't that's really, I have cool. the uh, progress photos. With like the on, sliding ladder and it everything? It actually does have a sliding Shut ladder. Up. I was. And a globe. What? <laughs> All right. That you have to show me. When it's, it, when it's, it's almost finished. When it's done, let me know. I will. Yeah. Cause that's, that sounds pretty cool. And my dad is into uh, cigars. So it could be a mashup, you know, and he likes books. So I could, I could, you know, I might be interested in getting that piece off of you and against my dad. Okay. You know, like, hey, here's cigars, here's books. You like reading? Ta-da! You know, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cute one. Nice. So I'm, I was going to ask that. How much does your architecture background influence? Not only obviously it's all design, 
But how does it influence your use of like metals and other materials in your furniture? Because I noticed like a lot of your furniture has some metals, some wood, kind of like building a home, you know, so or maybe a commercial space. Does any of that kind of play into it at all? I'd almost say, I mean, architecture school really teaches you how to think. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's an old, I don't know about old, but there's a saying about architects know a little bit about a lot of things <laughs> versus, and I don't. <laughs> Um, hopefully I won't insult the engineers out there, but That's versus fine. engineers who know a lot about a little. Right. Well, no, more focus, right? You figure if you're going to get an engineering degree and, and you got like a PhD in something, it's going to be pretty specified for a reason. Right. Um, and But at the same time, at the core of it, I think the overlapping similarities are the, the I don't want to even say need, but the ability to constantly want to deconstruct something. You know, like, my uncle worked at NASA and literally was a rocket scientist, right? You always joke around and say, it's not rocket science. Well, he was a he worked at NASA. So the story I always hear is how he took apart, and I think like 15, he took apart the family motor. They have the car, the one nice car they had. And they didn't have a lot of money growing up in Puerto Rico. And he took the thing apart in pieces. And my brother, my, my brother, my, my father, who's the oldest, comes home with, with their, their dad, my grandfather. And sees this and they start flipping out what the hell is wrong with you that was a brand new family car da-da-da. and he just goes i want to see how it worked and sure enough put it back together and that car was running for decades later yeah. and you sit there like kind of like what you said like i was telling you at like the beginning where that if you heard that story and then later heard he's an engineer at nasa it wouldn't necessarily strike you as shocking no right i think most engineers have probably similar stories. Yeah, where you sit there and think they were the ones taking apart an Xbox or taking apart a toaster, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and just, and because that was what they thought. You know, I, I had friends, I went to an engineering college for part of my college and all my friends were some sort of super nerd that was way more smart than me and they one of them was like electrical engineers. And I'm like, that's a weird nerdy thing to be, right? And they would, but it was funny, they would, they would like rent these homes like have rental houses in like the shitty parts of the city. And they'd be like, oh, so we're thinking about ways we can like deconstruct the way this house is made. And like, you know, maybe put us all on the same grid or whatever it was, something insane. And I'm like, dude, people don't think like that. Like, but that's the way they were. They'd get drunk and found it hysterical in ways <laughs> they could engineer some sort of electrical thing to have fun with or, uh, you know, make it into a drinking game. And man, that was, <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy hanging out with those guys. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, the funny thing is we, we sat with Paul Rich uh, recently of Brothers Rich, and he was a, let's just say, alumni of the Baltimore uh, style article that you were featured in. And coincidentally, he's an architect as well. Right. Uh, still works in that space and actually does, if I'm butchering this, I hope we don't yell at me. It was, um, he does commercial commercial buildings in the suburbs. So okay. cor- corporate commercial buildings in the suburbs. So, um, and he still lives in the city and he was uh, telling me about that, which is interesting. And I was wondering, have any of you guys from that feature made it a point to like, you know, come together or, or kind of network at all? Um, not that I know of, although no. I did meet the, um, is her name Priya? Priya yes. at one of the local craft shows at the visionary art museum. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was very sweet. And, um, you know, she'd asked me how I got into the magazine right. and I think they had found her. So I was a little jealous of that. 
<laughs> well, I think it was, uh, I would say what she does and, and not at all belittling what she does, but it's, uh, it's, we're as a society, we're much more aware now of what we put in our bodies and that kind of thing. Right. And I think what she does, which it correct me if I'm wrong, was like herbal, like homemade herbal right, stuff, right? Right. That that's, I don't want to say trending, but that's big now because yeah, because you realize that some of the things that the synthetics and other things that we've been putting in our bodies, whether it's whatever uh, medicines or other stuff, is probably not the best, you know. Right. Uh, and we're definitely getting a, a bit more educated as a society. So I'm not surprised. And, and yeah, and I, I tried looking up her stuff and, and checking it out. I think she has like a really cool Etsy shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she was down and beyond, but I think it was like a scheduling thing. Like I think she was oh, saying like oh. maybe in February or something like that. Um, but that's nice. Nice to know. And I, yeah, I read that in um, in that article that they were saying there was some sort of like bizarre I'm probably butchering that word. About where she did the craft show? Well, no, like, or I think it was like something where a lot of you were found at that craft show or something oh. like that. I don't, well, like I said, I think right. my, my yeah. method was cheating. <laughs> hey, it's all about who you know. <laughs> Fuck that. That's how the world works. It is. You know, I didn't I'm think sorry. Be, I didn't think my foray into being an artist was going to start that way. But yeah, yeah, You yeah, never yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's interesting. I'll definitely have to check out, like I said, check out your husband's work because I do some writing myself. But okay. it was kind of like what you said. It was always a creative, fun thing I did when I was younger. And I started doing it a little bit to make some money as I got older. And I still don't consider myself a writer per se. But I do write, you know, for different blogs and sites and stuff. Um, so it'd be nice to see how a seasoned journalist does it because that has a much more... <laughs> concrete uh you know uh label to it that i think is pretty neat um so let's get a little deep here and and we're gonna kind of go into some questions that are gonna be kind of big picture so tell me what's what's the biggest risk you've taken thus far in your career um i fretted for months and months to even ask my company if i could go Mm part-time And, you know, a lot of people I, I don't think would be willing to take that risk. Right. And, you know, we have um, – we don't have big expenses. We have a, you know, inexpensive home, inexpensive mm-hmm. car, and we don't have kids. So I think it's a lot easier yeah. for us to take that risk. They are of- money pits, like a fucking boat <laughs> <laughs> or like some sort of lavish hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids are money pits, but go on. <laughs> yeah. So and and we've been very lucky, and I'm very fortunate. That my husband is supporting me trying to be an artist, and mm-hmm. I've and then um, getting into the Baltimore Museum of Arts gift shop, I um, yeah, tell was me, able to tell sell me a, a couple about things. That. How, how did that start? I know you well, mentioned it happening but based on that exhibit. That I think my timing of writing her out of the blue right was um, coincidental with them having that exhibit, imagining home. And yeah. so I just, it was lucky. I honestly, I tell people that all the time that uh, as artists, we, we know that putting ourselves out there is probably the hardest thing because a lot of what we do is, is very personal, right? Yeah. Very emotional. And, and I tell people all the time, you never know. And I always follow up with people. Whenever I meet someone out, I'll give them a card. I don't care if it takes a year. No, or I'm two doing years. that. Yeah. Yeah. To say well, like, it might turn around. You shameless know? promotion. Yeah. <laughs> But when you, but but when you, I'm always doing it. But when you think about it, right, that person may not have gotten back to you the first time, right? May send an email, may have left a phone call, nothing. Okay. Then you follow up again, nothing. Okay. And and you're sitting there going, 
I'm probably still, eh, now you're like, maybe they just don't, maybe I just take a hint. Maybe they don't like my work, whatever. And then you try like a fourth and fifth time. And they say, oh my God, yes, Jill, I was just thinking about you the other day and I forgot your number. I have this thing coming up. You'd be perfect for it. Boom. There's your big break. And the whole time that person actually did like your work, but like everyone else, they were just fucking busy. You know, like it wasn't anything more than that. And yeah, like you said, you took a risk and you put it out there and it's starting to kind of come back and you're like, oh, wow. All right. So you're starting to, the ball starting to get rolling and you're starting to see what's possible. It's hopefully starting to roll, but I've also had some uh, roadblocks too. Not knowing how the art gallery world works, I kind of cold visited one small gallery. Ooh, they didn't near like my, that. She they did not like that. <laughs> that didn't go well. Excuse me, this is the appointment only. I we said, are how, booked how for you, three months out. How do you go about um, getting you to come see my work? She and they went, go, not doing this. Right. Basically, that's what she said. <laughs> really? She's like, we would come find you. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Luckily, I didn't tell her anything about my work. Yeah. She has no idea who I am. Exactly. Keep it that way. And then, and then you know what? When she sees you on TV, and she goes, "Oh shit!" and be like, "Sorry, bro, you missed out. I don't even want your gallery." You know? And it's funny. I mean, the people that it's like uh, I have a buddy of mine who has been on. He's an art photographer, Corin Prescott, and he is like the antithesis of what most people think of when they think of like a fine art kind of photographer. He lives very frugally. He you know travels and camps out and does all this mountain man shit. And yeah, I mean, the art world in a sense is a little highfalutin, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things like, you know, when people ask me, how would you describe your work? Right. And, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, there's, I used to try to say, you know, there's art with a capital A. Right. I don't feel like mine is that. Right. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure where it falls, but, um. There's the art that you have to ask, you know, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? Right. Where mine is just, I think it's just a lot more accessible. It's almost child, childlike or mm-hmm. it brings, it conjures up childhood memories, like right. you were saying about um, Michael Bar. Paul. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hope that my work is just more accessible than that gallery was not the right place for me. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think that's like, and it goes to even most other artists when you find like a rep or agency or anything like that where it's it's very much finding the right fit you know and and you won't know by until you go and meet places and and go to certain ones and and network and meet other artists and they'll tell you oh yeah yeah fuck fuck that gallery you got to go down here go down this person see this person or this part of the city is doing a lot of great things um that then you'll you'll kind of find that and um and it's, yeah, it's, it's tough though. You know, it's tough to put yourself out there and say, oh, well, I think I'm pretty good. And then you go one place and they just literally tell you, don't bother. Right. You know, I, have like, to, I have to pretend to be very confident. But yeah. I, I did get an, a, a really nice compliment um, just a couple of days ago describing the library in a box to um, this woman who's bought a couple of my pieces. And she's like, basically, you're just having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I think that's what pisses people off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you sit there and go like, oh, yeah, it's it's just whimsical and fun and some purposeful stuff. You can, you know, you can use it as a coffee table, use it as whatever. I saw the one on casters. I immediately thought of like, um, if you've ever seen those like digi carts, like in photography, like they have uh, like a similar thing, 
but with like a cart with like a basket underneath where basically you could wheel it around a studio and put a monitor on there and all this other stuff when you're shooting that you'd have it where if um, if you're taking pictures in the studio, you can have those pictures be on that monitor and then whoever the client is can watch, you know, and, and you'll have, a, and you'll have a basket underneath with all the stuff you'd need on set. So you're talking about the, the peace of mind that has mm-hmm. the signage. Yes. Yeah. So I immediately kind of thought like that. I go, I could see that having a, a purpose, you know, in, in like a studio, you know, um, because it has on the casters and right, stuff like right. that. And I got big industrial casters for it. So yeah. a little overscale, but that's fine. <laughs> you know, so, so it, it, it's interesting to say like these are pieces that are pretty, not even abstract. I mean, they, they have a purpose, you know, and, and they, I saw like some of the tables, the dining room tables really neat that have like the, um, like you said, little dioramas in a sense underneath that yeah. are pretty cool. Yeah. It's got a little kitchen, a little dining room kind of, um, Crossing paths on these tracks, yeah. and the, yeah. and that's how the rooms in a box came about. My husband kept saying, "Can you maybe make something small, and easy <laughs> to transport?" <laughs> yeah. So I like the both directions, but the dioramas—that's kind of where I got started. Right. A friend of mine started doing these group art shows um, maybe six years ago, mm-hmm. and I just fell into that. I think oh, wow. I, I saw a little um, cigar box piece at a friend's house. And I thought this would be the type of work I would like to do. Right. Not not the same aesthetic, but basically the, the diorama right. type thing. And, and it was interesting to challenge yourself too, right? I mean, you were you were on the opposite end of the spectrum for a long time as an architect, building huge buildings. Well, you know, it was a, it was mostly um, it was a very design oriented or, mm-hmm. oriented firm. So we had a lot of fun. It was that's cool. a, a nice firm. I never really did big, oh, okay. big big projects like right. That. Well, they're Restaurants, big, they're, houses. Those are still bigger than a cigar box. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's it's the challenge of, you know, taking those ideas or design aesthetics or or elements and, and kind of paring them down or, or, or you know, shrink-raying them down into a, a cigar box that I'm sure was, was probably honestly challenging in the beginning, right? Yeah. It was so much fun, though. She would come up with a theme mm-hmm. each year. And I would be, you know, just like architecture school, stressed for months until all of a sudden something would hit me. <laughs> right. But that was that's always been the challenge that ideas don't come that easily to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I get that in photography. I get that in writing. I can sit there and say, "Oh, I got two weeks to write this." It's always a fucking day before I'm scrambling, going, "All right, I've tried to will <laughs> the creativity, and it just it just doesn't come." You know, right. and then you sit there and go, "Well." I can't wait around for it to strike, you know, like the, I need to make money or it needs to have this, you know, a timeline. And, uh, and that was, that was one thing with, with Michael, I thought was really interesting was he had so many ideas in his head. He would spend like maybe two months building something and then go eh, and just transition to something else. Right. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, That's the hard part of yeah. letting go something you've already right. put a lot of time into. There's um an annual, competition design competition which is nothing related well sort of related to architecture called the design within reach champagne chair competition every year right after yeah right after new year's yeah they um put on a competition and you can use up to you know everything from a champagne bottle except for the champagne and the glass so Hmm. the label the foil the little wire cage um the cork Everything wow. from up to two bottles, and make a tiny chair. So you I look online on your site. Design I was wondering reach. what the hell yeah. that was. You look on their site, and every famous chair has been done. 
Every quirky chair has been done. Wait, wait, wait. So, I have a question. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told to. But right. I, I just have So the, I have there's it. this like throne, right? Yeah. The Iron Throne. I can imagine someone, someone oh, had everything. to have done I mean, that. even right. an electric chair has been done. Wow. A baby chair has been done. I mean, anything you can think of. Now, it's now a legitimate it up, chair. Because if the Iron Throne's on there, it's pretty fucking yeah, So I, I spent hours combing through all the chairs that have been done. And it's, right. been, it's been going on, I think, six, seven years. Wow. So a couple of years ago, I finally decided some, I'm going to do it. Right. And um, I went way off track and built kind of a little matryoshka doll theme. Is so that like I made, the Russian dolls? Yeah. So my right. chair was a nesting chair right. theme. Right. So it started out with, I made a, um, a little bubble out of the wire cage, wrapped it with the foil. Yeah, I saw Next that. step was the cork, right. cut it in half, carved a little chair shape out of it. Next step was the, took the label, made it into a little box shaped like a chair that would wow. open up and then a teeny tiny chair <laughs> that um, fit inside of that. So right. for the miniature chair competition, I made a super miniature chair. Right. That chair is a quarter inch from the ground to the seat. Shut up, really? <laughs> Wow. With a sliver of a cork. Do you ever seat. like need one of those like magnifying? You know, I always see those like those like model maker, like the magnifying yeah. thing with the light on it going, okay, now yeah. I can, you know? I, I have one of those, but I've never set it up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's, yeah, it's sweet. I'm sure one day I'll see what it's yeah. like to work After with. After I can't it. see anymore. Yeah, right. But I had so much fun making that little tiny chair. That, was it well received? I got second place. No shit. And look at that. And you just said it. I went way off spec. And you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> or maybe you went off enough to be unique. Exactly. You know I what I mean? Because yeah. six years of building chairs, let's be real. <laughs> it, uh, they probably had a lot of redundancy in terms of that contest. So what would you say is your most meaningful moment in your career thus far? Um. Um. I think that I was very excited about that competition. Yeah. That's a national competition. Oh, okay. So um, that made me very proud. And then getting my work into the Baltimore Museum of Arts gift shop, I was very, very proud of that. And um, and that's kind of what started me having s some sales. I'm very new at this, right. but I'm finally getting some sales. And it gave me the courage to apply to a couple juried uh, craft fairs. So nice. Let's see what happens. All right. I'm, pull, I'm pulling for you. <laughs> that's cool. And and that's the same thing this year. Was we did Photo Plus last year. It's the same thing. It's like all right. Right. These are not easy. They're sometimes expensive. But at the same yeah. time, it's that's yeah, it's the only, an investment. Right. That's the only way you're gonna meet more people, make connections, and and also have fun. You know, right. is by going and meeting other people and, and having your work kind of judged. So setting so, my stuff up in a booth. I'll exactly. Be so <laughs> exactly. You know. So. That's pretty neat. And I realized, I never asked you this. So are you from Baltimore originally? No. Um, this general area, I went to college in Virginia mm -hmm. and uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And high school was Delaware. North, oh, northern okay. Delaware. All right. Not so near like me. I, I, was, I moved around a lot, but it was always like, yeah, New Jersey, New York. Yeah. Kind of in the same oh, yeah. general area. Okay, yeah. cool. The Delmarva Peninsula. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> some people, when I, when I, before I moved here, I had friends in D.C., and Virginia, and they keep saying the DMV, and I would laugh and go MVA, right? And I go, <laughs> why are you talking about the Department of Motor Vehicles? Did you have to get your like? I never, <laughs> it never clicked with me. But then they call here. They call like they don't call it, in New York. They call it the DMV. And over here, they call it MVA, right? Like you said, yeah, yeah MVA. 
uh, Motor Vehicle Association or something, right? And uh, and it took me the fucking forever to <laughs> realize. And they go, dude, DMV, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, oh, like oh, area oh. or something. Okay. I was like, oh. Well, that's the Delmarva. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, they call it DMV. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. I know. I've never had enough guts to move too far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm the same way. I was trying to go to LA and I was like, at the time, my nieces were, and nephews were just born. And I was like, I kind of want to see them without hopping on a plane. And I'm probably broke as shit living in LA. So I'm going to be able to fucking afford a plane ticket just to come home and see my family. So I, I stuck around too. Um, so what do you think is, uh, conversely, what do you think is the biggest regret you've had in your career? Um, not to sound trite, I would say that I, I try not to have regrets. Every um, Every different phase, I would say, was a, really a learning experience for me and, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like um kind of got me where I where I am which I feel like I'm still growing and right. learning but I'm I try not to regret the different right. stages I think you know each one helped me define what I'm doing which I, I sure. love what I'm doing right now I mm-hmm. really have I do have so much fun and that's all part of it right I mean yeah. it's sad to say how many people and there's nothing against it because money, everyone has bills, right? And and money is, is, is makes the world go round. But how many people just go to a job they fucking hate every day? Yeah. And you sit there and go, oh, well, I have to provide for my family or, oh, I have to, you know, whatever. You make me have lifestyle, whatever. And I sit there and go like, well, that's cool, but come on. Like, you know, your, your work is such a big part of your life. Don't you want to make it a little more balanced, you know? Yeah. I feel so, so lucky that I'm able to. Right to do this yeah yeah and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes Hopefully right exa- i can keep doing it. exactly you know and like you said it so the a similar aesthetic or i should say a similar viewpoint was has been expressed in the last few guests we've had on where they go i don't really regret much i just i know that i had learning experiences you know i some things so I happened did sound really trite <laughs> <laughs> so it was and but it's true because in reality i could say I got some regrets, but at the same time, when you when you word it that way, you're associating it negatively and saying that you, you did something that maybe, you know, you, you wouldn't have done, right? right? But in reality, sometimes if you really take a big picture view, well, you say, if that didn't happen, you wouldn't be here. Right. And if that didn't happen, you wouldn't have learned and pivoted or whatever. Right. So, you know, they're, they're all learning experiences, you know what I mean? And, um, and it was that, that, that took a lot away from that, yeah. you know, and saying like, yeah, maybe I, I think I'm overall pretty positive, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, yeah. Hmm. And, and I started to think about it differently. You know? Each step kind of, I think has been helping me develop my confidence, which right. is a work in progress, but just that group art show, just being in an art show, mm-hmm. it was a step for me to put myself out there in the public. And it's mostly friends. Yeah. I mean, a little bit further further reach than that but that was a big step for me yeah. just to, to make something that other people would see so yeah. i think that that really has helped. Ha- helped me right and i think too it's it's like you mentioned even friends i mean but that's to me especially in art that's a huge part of it well part of being successful is that a lot of what we do is in a vacuum and if you never have that interaction you know, you could go either way. You think your your work is shit and it's really good, or you think your work is amazing and it's actually shit, but you'll never know if you're just always yeah. doing it in a box, you know? Yeah. I'm still working on the whole sell yourself type yeah. of uh, approach. That's really, that's really hard. It is. People don't want to just buy a piece of art without knowing anything about 
the person or right. the work behind it. Right. And that, that's been hard. And I think that's why a lot of the art world has, has reps is because they, they mm-hmm. kind of make, they make peace with that and say like, yeah, it's you just go not do this right. Exactly. <laughs> they just go, you know what? I will gladly cut someone a commission to do things I do not want to do. And I will yeah. just concentrate on making the stuff that you sell. Right. So it's, uh, and I, and I think that's, a good thing because I mean you could tell someone to work on something in terms of their personality all, all you want but it's just naturally some people are you know more salesy or, 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 or their personality skews that way better than others so right concentrate on your strengths right. <laughs> you know well, at least in business I'm not saying they'll work on your weaknesses but <laughs> you know so listen Jill I had an amazing time thank, thank you. you for coming up here I know we we meant to come check out your shop but at the same time what we started realizing is um having people or or going to all these places people it's always like a, a black box in terms of what we'll encounter uh which is kind of exciting but <laughs> you can imagine a little frustrating sometimes when we go in there and i'm like this sounds like shit and i'm like but we're here and make the most of it and then i'm editing the episode i want to put stab myself in the eye with a pencil you know so yeah my so, shop can be pretty loud and not necessarily just within my shop but all around it right like you were saying it's a bunch yeah. of artist studios right so thank you for for coming out. Hope thank you had a good time. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so lastly, who's someone that you'd like to hear us talk to on the show? You know, I know we, we mentioned before we started the recording today uh, that maybe you have other artists that you think would be interesting to talk to or maybe people that you know through the art show that you think have a really unique story. Um, well, and I don't I, I know two um, illustrators. And um, they both have big personalities. Nice. So um, one of the children's book illustrators. Oh, very cool. And one just started his own illustration school with two wow. other friends. That's cool. So um, so both of those people. Okay, great. The names here. Well, you know what? Why don't, <laughs> you know what? Why don't you tell me this, and we'll follow up, and I'll get there. I'll get you to give us their contact information. That way, we can actually follow up with them. So yeah, tell me who's the um, who's the one who's doing the school? The uh, oh, that's Greg Houston. Like the like the city, like the city, right. and the children's book illustrator is Kevin O'Malley. Greg Houston and the children's book illustrator is Greg O'Malley. Oh, mm-hmm. Two Gregs, huh? Kevin O'Malley. Kevin O'Malley. Did I say Greg? I said Greg. <laughs> you said Kevin. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, so unlike me, they won't be shy. Yeah, yeah. Very, oh, please. You were fine. You, I mean, I don't know if you listen to every episode, but not everyone is a, is a chatty Kathy like me. So You'll have a hard time getting a word in edgewise with either <laughs> one of them. I, I accept the challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you'll be in stitches with both. Yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. So, Jill, again, thank you for taking the time out today uh, for coming up here to record with us and uh, look forward to seeing you around town. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye.